take a seat. What a good worship. Thank you. Very good. Fantastic. Well, it's good to be here. I'm going to invite my wife up quickly. It's always good. She's the uh, better half, obviously. You can all see that now, can't you? Um, yeah. Oh, so good to see you all and be here this morning. I just thought it was our nice. first time here that we might just introduce ourselves yeah. and uh, well, tell a bit of a story. We can do that. So I'm Cindy. <laughs> this I'm is Tim. Tim. Yeah. What a great introduction and welcome. I know, those introductions always Pastor make me very John. nervous. So nice. Great visionary leader. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, John. I'm glad yeah. someone believes in me. Very good. Uh, well, uh, yeah, you guys can all take it. Thank seat. you. That was amazing time of worship this morning. I thought we'd just um, a little, because this is going to feed into the what I want to share this morning, but uh, we met when we were 16. Yep. You were still at school. Yes. I had just left school. You did, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yep. We weren't going to church. A little while My ago. My parents were running a church, but we I was definitely not going. No. You'd never been to church. No. No. Um, been to Catholic. You had a lot of certain. questions about church. Yep. Wanted to know. And her questions about church were why things were done the way they were done. Yes. That was more the, the questions that you of, often had. Yep. Uh, I wasn't obviously following the Lord at all. I was uh, taking some drugs. Pursuing other things. Pursuing other things. And so I would just say to her, don't look at me as an example of a Christian because mm. I'm not. But I did believe in God. <laughs> And I did know a little bit about the Bible because I was raised in church, mm. but then obviously yeah, went away from it. Yeah, some understanding. Used to read me the Bible a lot. It was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so there was obviously I was quite attracted to this fine-looking man, <laughs> but I I knew that he came from a Christian background, and there was just something about him. You know, when someone knows the Lord, there's generally something about them. And I was quite intrigued and I wanted to know more. And it, yeah, just question after question. And it was. So we moved out together, 18, yep. not married, not going to church. Uh, my drug habit increased. Increased. Up to about the age of 20. Yep. And then our relationship living together wasn't going so great at that point. We were starting to argue a lot, yep. kind of on the verge of probably separating. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yep. I'm done with this guy. And then I had a couple of failed job opportunities and. Obviously, leaving school young, started to panic about my future and thought that, uh, I thought, I'm going to go up to my mum's house and ask mum, you know, she's always gone to church, she's always read her Bible, I'll go ask mum what she thinks I should do. So I was about 19 and a half and I went up there pretty depressed, pretty down and asked her and mum gave me a lecture about church (laughs) and God and the Bible and I was like, oh, far out, mum, I'm actually asking for help. And this is, I remember, I think I actually swore it. I said, you and Dad say the same old bleep every time about that this is going to help me somehow. And uh, she said, well, I can't help you. She said, here's the Bible. Take that home. Read it for yourself. And so I did, but I was angry. So I took the Bible home. I went down, sat down, actually packed a bong. You wouldn't know what a bong is, but... <laughs> and I sat there reading the Bible and smoking a bong. And there's a good message out of that, bongs and Bibles, I call it. He actually does. It's very good. I don't do that anymore. Thankfully. And uh, I had <laughs> I had this moment, I was reading something, and it was something about your ways are wicked. And I just read that part, and it was your ways are wicked. Not wicked good, 
I'm like, you're wicked, man. <laughs> no, it was a bad wicked and, and felt like God, for the first time in my life, nearly 20 years old, felt like God speak to me. Uh, and I broke down in tears and I just knew that, I knew that uh, it wasn't that I was a bad person, it was what I was doing was not good, but it was that God believed in me. God could see something in me that I couldn't see myself because all I could see was my history and my past and God could see something beyond that. So when he, when he spoke to me, it wasn't like he was condemning me. It was like God was saying, like, it's okay what you're doing. Well, not great, but, but you're better than this. And the biggest problem I had was believing that. It was God could see that, but I couldn't see it. And so I remember I was crying and I, had, I was growing plants and selling drugs and doing all sorts. I, was, I ripped these plants up and I got rid of all these lights that I had set up and Cindy was at work and I rung her at work and I said, God's real and we need to go to church and I'm not going to do drugs anymore and we should be married, we're living together, we need to get married and I feel like God's telling us to go to New Zealand. And she was like... What the? <laughs> she was like, calm down, how much have you been smoking? And uh, she got home that afternoon and... Life was very different beyond that point, that's we for sure. We talked yeah. and got married and... I mean, I obviously didn't... We, we weren't good, fully in love, all that kind of thing. I was just like, this is not the life for me. And I believed in Tim, always always have, still do to, till today. Um, so it was a case of, okay, I'm going to get on board with this. I still had heaps of questions, still wasn't too sure about it all, but I was like, well, this has got to be good. Um, so... Mm. Yeah. So we were in church that Sunday. We were, yep. Hands went up at the end of the service, asked Jesus into our heart. Yep. And have been serving God ever since, 23 years. 23 years. 23 years. Thank you very much. You can go take a seat. Yeah, good job, good job. I just thought I'd share that because, you know, it's a first, like we're on a first date here this morning (laughs) as a a church. Uh, And so you know my background a little bit and... And I suppose that background, I think it will relate to a lot of us, that background has been a constant struggle for the rest of my life with that thought of why, why us and how we get out. Like John said, our church is doing well and I think Easter Sunday, one of our biggest services and we bought a building and I think I remember the day that Pastor Lars Harvison rung me up and said, do you want to be state director? And, I was, and the same thought has never left me, us, not us. We have nothing to offer. And, and, and then I remember being here at a service where Lars was going to pray us in as the state directors and all the other South Australian pastors were here and leaders and I'm sitting on the front row there and knowing that this moment's about to happen, that we're going to get you know, asked to step up into this role and, and, and I'd never, ever thought about the state, ever. And I felt like God said, you should probably get a vision for the state now. And it was just, and the whole time I'm thinking, but not us, not me, not like I have nothing to to offer. And it's been funny that God has done things in our life, but that, that thought in the background has never left. Always this, always this self-doubt, I suppose, about our ability to do it all. And it really comes down to, down to you. It's the you factor. And it's always the you factor that I've found in my life has been the biggest problem. Uh, I know that your theme for the year is sent. And I thought, what a great theme, sent. We're sending where we've been sent and I feel like you know the only problem with that theme is the people that God's sending (laughs) like it's a good vision but the only flaw I see is us in the 
Like, why would he choose us? Like, that's always been something that I've had to battle with. And uh, so I want to read out this scripture in the book of Acts. It's in chapter 1, verse 4. This is the start of the church. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is talking Jesus uh, eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard, from, uh, heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. These are all great points here. It's interesting to see where the mind of the disciples goes. If you know the backstory, the disciples were thinking of a kingdom that was going to be set up on earth, that was going to be a physical kingdom where Jesus was going to come and take over Rome, basically. And, there was, and, they were, and this is why the disciples had asked for the special seats. They'd said, can we sit at your left and your right? And when you come into your... And he, it just goes to show the disciples had the whole concept totally wrong. Uh, and they wanted to know the times and the dates. You know, like, when's this going to happen? We'll make sure we're there. I'll, I'll come to that service. <laughs> he said to them, it's not for you to know that. The Father, this is under the Father's authority. And he goes on to point, to point out the point. But you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's a good point. And you, how good is it? comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky, this same Jesus who was taken from you, uh, from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I love that. The moment that Jesus was taken from them, there's two angels dressed in white standing there beside them, asking them why they are looking up into the clouds. Like, what are you looking for? And it would, you know, I can just imagine these guys coming alongside the disciples just next to them, just like... What are we looking at? You ever seen someone like if you just go into the street and just look up and point? And then I can guarantee you go into Rundle Mall in the city and you just do that. Just stand there. Oh. I guarantee all the people around you will just, what are we looking at? What's happening? Like, and these two guys are pulling up. What are we looking at? And they're, and they're looking back. Well, Jesus. Yeah. He's, he went up. Oh, where is he now? I went through the clouds. Right. So why are you still looking? We don't know. He's just, he's up there somewhere. So but what did he tell you to do? Did he say, look up into the cloud? Oh, yeah, what did he say again? Oh, go to Jerusalem, wait and pray. Yeah, so why are you still looking in the clouds then? Well, I know he said a lot of things, but... I just, there was this feeling of stop looking up there because you're not going to get any help. Go and do what he said to do and there you will receive power. Yeah. He's gone. 
He's up there. The Bible says he is seated next to the Father. But he sent his Holy Spirit onto you. So that was his promise. And that when they were asking about, so are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? Don't worry about that. I'll come back when I'm ready to come back. But when's it going to happen? When's the end of the world? Don't worry about that. I've got that under my authority. You are to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness. And that's awesome. But there is this you problem. It's you. It's totally you. It's God working through you. And sometimes for me, I get sick of myself. I just get, I'm done. I've had it with myself. Just want a break from myself sometimes. One morning, I set my alarm early and I thought, if I get up real early, maybe I won't notice. And I woke up, but there I was. As soon as I woke up, I was there again. I thought, if I just run to the kitchen real quick, by the time I get there, I won't have followed. But I did. I followed myself all the way there. And when I got there, there I was again. I thought, can I just get away from myself for a second? I couldn't. Wherever I am, there I am. When I wake up in the morning, I'm up. When I go to bed at night, I go to sleep. It's like, it's just... And God sees something in that. I remember um, sitting down uh, one evening with my son. I love this. We always have family dinners. And uh, my son, he's 19 now, but he was this little, I don't know, maybe 12 years old. Um, His voice hadn't broken yet. We've actually got the video of this. And uh, I'm having this conversation with him. And the conversation was about him. He was just going into, I think, year seven, year eight at school. And he was struggling. Some of the other kids found out that he was a pastor's kid, that he went to church. And some comments were starting to get made in regard to what he would do on Sundays and certain things. And he was struggling with now the peer pressure of what other people were saying about him and comments that were being made. And it was like early, early stages of this whole thing just starting to happen as well. And he was asking me, like, Dad, what what should I do when they say these things about me? And sometimes they even say things about you and mum and our family and what we do on weekends and... And, and what should I say? And, I'm, and, and it's like, you know, and I feel like I'm not, I'm not strong enough, Dad, to put up with their comments. And I don't have, and my daughter, she's, or she, she's like, my daughter, she's sassy. She's, she's, don't get into an argument with her. She's got comebacks. Like, she'll say something. She never had this problem. But my son is like this innocent-hearted, he just can't say something nasty back to someone. And, and so I was trying to, like, put into him to say, well, sometimes you've got to stand up for yourself and say something back. And he's like, but I don't want to be nasty. I'm like, yeah, but they're being nasty to you. So you can say something back. But like, this is, this is just his nature. And uh, I remember he was doing a football tryout for this um, Sapsaza State football. And on the way there, I'm like, okay, listen to me, Jai. When they do these practice laps, you've got to be at the front of the line. You run in front of everyone, all right? And there are 70 kids going to be on this field. If you don't get the ball, you're not going to get chosen for the team. So when you get out there, elbows out, grit your teeth, and you rip that ball off some other poor little kid, kick him. I don't care what you do. Elbow him in the head. You get the ball, and you got to, And if you get one kick, you might get chosen. I said, so whatever situation happens, you're at the front of the line, okay? I said, look at me, front of the line. Okay, got it, Dad, got it, Dad. And so, and I said, even the practice runs, the drills, front of the line, out front, you're in front. You got, yeah, got it, got it, got it. So they do the first practice run around the oval, and there's my son, back of the line, 20 metres off the back, running with a little chubby kid. 
and like, at the, and of course he doesn't get chosen for the team. And at the end of it, he gets back in the and I say, why were you running with the little chubby kid that couldn't run? Well, because no one was running with him. I'm like, Joy! <laughs> he didn't get chosen. You didn't get chosen. No one... I love you. I love you, son. I love you, son. So his nature, that's his nature. He's soft-natured, and so he's starting to get comments from other kids at school. And, of course, his soft nature is, why are they saying these things to me? And I've got this moment where I'm, I've said to him the story of David and Goliath and, like, this little moment where they, sorry, it's not David and Goliath, where they go into the promised land and the comment gets made, they say, there are giants in the land. And the comment that the Israelites say is, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And so that's a comment that the Israelites were saying of themselves. They were saying, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. Now, if you know that story, they don't know what the enemy was thinking they made that concept up themselves. They, they looked at the enemy and thought, he's big, he's strong, he's a giant. We, we are small. But that was a self-projection of the way they saw themselves. They made that up. We were like, they'd never talked to those giants. And if they found out the truth, the giants were terrified of the Israelites coming into the land because they'd split the sea, they'd done all these, taken Jericho, they'd done all this stuff. So they, that city, Jericho, they were all terrified, but they'd come up with this concept in their own mind, this self-concept, developed it, thought about it, started to become their reality. We are like grasshoppers. And that was a total non-truth. And so I'm talking to my son at the table, I'm saying, son, you are not a grasshopper. You're a giant killer. You've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You're a conqueror. Wherever you go, God goes with you. I want you to see yourself like that. Don't listen to those comments that have been made. Say something back. Don't be like passive. You've got the Holy Spirit. God bless them. Give them the five-fold ministry. Just a good little... Some of the most powerless, because I was trying to think about this, if, if we're getting sent, right, we're, we're going, you and me, I remember when we bought our O'Halloran Hill location, and it was the most exposing feeling, we'd been having church in a little school gym, 30, 40 people, where we knew everyone, they were all our friends, we'd set up the chairs, we'd pack them down at the end, we'd all go home, it was, and no one even knew that we were there. And I kind of like that. No visitors, no strangers, just the people I like, the people that I felt safe around, the people that love me. That was our little church. And then God goes, I want you to go buy this huge building, 400-seat auditorium, $2 million price tag on it. And I'm thinking this is just way, way beyond us. We can't do it. And God gives us a scripture, be strong, be courageous. I remember thinking, but that's not me. I am not strong and I am not courageous. God, you know me. And he said, and we get on our first Sunday, this big building, 400 seats, there's like 70 people there. Huge, big, open. I'm just like, what are we doing? We have stuffed up. We are idiots. Damn it. And like, this is just, you know, you say something, it just echoes, echo, echo, echo. Tumbleweeds. <laughs> 
And I remember feeling just so exposed, like now everyone knows where we are. We got a sign put up the front, C3 Church. Now everyone drives by, everyone knows, the whole, all of them. It was like this thing, that, and it got worse in my mind as I started to give it more attention, and I started to give it more focus, and I started to think about it more, I started to look up to the clouds more and more, a little of these moments where you start thinking and creating little thoughts in your own mind, the things you worry about, the things you fear, the things you get up, it's like when, it's like when COVID hit, there's all these little patterns that start in your life. I know people in our church, you know, it's like they go on Facebook for all their information about COVID and the government and all this stuff and it's the end of the world and it's the government control and it's people population control and they're trying to kill us and you've got to watch out and there's going to be an announcement and the announcement's at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. They're going to come on. They're going to say something and we're at the TV at 2 p.m. There's an announcement. What's it going to be? Well, the government have decided we're going to lock you. We're locked down again. Quick, kids, grab a bottle of wine. I don't know why that was relevant, but we're locked down. And then the next day, another announcement's coming, and then you start reading stuff, and everyone's reading stuff, and then the people are sending stuff to each other, and, and you're just building, building, building all this stuff. And that's the exact point. Why are you looking up there? You're looking up to something where he's it's gone. And you're giving your attention and you're giving your focus. I know people now, they read for hours on Facebook. Information, they don't even know if it's right, but they read for hours. The Bible says, meditate on this word day and night and everything you do will prosper. What you put your attention on, what you focus on, what you give your mind to is going to have a result. And so he says, go to Jerusalem, wait and pray. Receive the Holy Spirit and power will come upon you. And if we're going to be sent, we're going to need power. If we're going to go into this world where all this chaos is and people are making comments and there's suggestions and there's opinions, you're going to need power if you're going to be an effective witness. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not that effective. That's the point. He's saying don't leave Jerusalem until you get this. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Don't go preaching to anyone. Don't go saying or giving, sharing your opinion. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. When you get the power of the Holy Spirit, you will become a giant killer. You will become a great witness in the earth. But don't do anything without that. Make sure you've got that. If we were to go into the world without the power of the Holy Spirit, it would be a disaster. I think of another little story of my son. This one time where I just felt powerless. He's on this little push bike at my brother's house. I'd gone down to Victor Harbour surfing. I was like an hour away from home uh, and then my brother rings me and he says, Jai has fallen off the balcony. He was on a little bike. The bike went backward off the balcony and he fell down and, and so my brother rings me. I'm in the car driving. My brother rings me and he says, Jai's fallen off the balcony. He's hit his head We're on the way to the hospital. I've got to go. I've got to go. And he hangs up on me. My brother is a MFS fireman. So he's trained in dealing with bad situations. And so if he is saying, I gotta go, I gotta go, because your son's hit his head, the, the panic set in. I was like, and I, there was, I'm, not, I'm an hour away. All I could do was this. And nothing happened. I was in this little Suzuki Swift. I went... (laughs) It's like totally powerless. It's the worst feeling ever. 
And for like 15 minutes in that car, my head started going crazy. I imagined every possible scenario, none of them good. Mm, this problem up here, the you factor. It's the you factor, what you create in your own mind about you. And, what, and, and, it's like, and some people go, oh, that's the devil. I don't even blame the devil. I think we do it on our own. I think the devil jumps on the back of it sometimes because the devil's going, <laughs> look at what you think of yourself. I think the devil knows you're more powerful than you realize. He's worried if you can kind of get and spend some time in the presence of God and let God start speaking. The Bible says this amazing thing. As the word of God actually washes, cleanses, as you start meditating on the word, you're like one little step away. Anyway, 20 minutes later, my brother rings me back and I'm like hyperventilating in the car. What? What? Is he okay? Is he going to be all right? What? Yeah, no, he's fine. But you said he fell on the back and you had to go. Oh, you know, I was driving and I saw a cop and I had to put my phone down. I was like, you idiot! You just put me through 15 minutes of hell. No, he's just cut his chin. He's fine. Oh, it's the worst day of my life. Anyway, the point, what you give your attention to on a daily basis will affect how you see yourself. It will affect if you see I've got possibilities or I don't. Can I or can't I? It really depends on how much time you spend in prayer, in word, and in church. We recently did a little marriage counselling session with this couple and they was like, What's the, you and Cindy have been married 23 years, you seem happy. What's the, what's the secret? We go to church every Sunday, we pray every day, we read our Bible. And we've just done that consistently for 23 years. There's no secret. That's what I love about your pastors. And I was thinking about these guys and Bruce and Julie. They're just consistent. You know what you're going to get. They're not going to change. They, they believe in the Word of God. They believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They love church. They love worship. They love people. And I'm going, that is a good church. It's awesome. Why don't we get the band back up if we could and... That'd be amazing. Oh, good. I've got four minutes and 20 seconds left. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So I don't know if we ever fully get to the stage where you're walking around thinking, man, I'm just so awesome. I'm powerful. <laughs> I've never thought that. For my whole life, I've literally looked at it and thought, God sees something that I don't. And I've just got to be okay with that. But it's a, it's a good thing I find when I do pray and I do spend time in the presence of God, God reminds me and says, Tim, this is actually who you are. You're not that drug-smoking drug addict with a life that's failing. Because in my mind, like that's only 23 years ago, that feels like yesterday. It's like I know who I am. And there's been this constant reminder for me of, no, that's not who you are. You're this person. You're created in the image of God. He loves you. He's passionate for you. You're a giant killer. I love uh, in Psalm 23, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It becomes this little thought of, I will. 
I will step up. I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail in Jesus' name. I will take on the call of God upon my life because I know God sees something in me that I can't see, but I will trust Him that He knows why He called me for a reason, for a purpose. I don't know if you're, you're here this morning and you've, you, maybe you doubt yourself. You think, well, I understand why these guys are doing this and they're doing that, but I'm, I don't know why I'm here. You're here because God sees something amazing in you. And all God needs you to do is say, I will. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail in Jesus' name. I will jump in the fire. That's that exact story of those three Israelite boys that get thrown into the fire. They get thrown into that fire. They look into the fire and they say, we see a fourth person in the fire and it looks like the Son of God. All as God needs you to do is step up. He's just waiting for you to say, I will. I'll get on board. I'll jump in the fire. I'll throw my hat in the ring. You know that saying, I'll throw my hat in the ring? I looked it up yesterday because I wasn't sure what it meant. It means challenge accepted. must be some old school thing. They would throw their hat in the ring and it meant that whatever the challenge was, that individual said, well, I'm going to get in the ring and fight. Despite all my self-doubt, despite me thinking I've got nothing to offer, I'll just jump in there. And if I jump in there, maybe God will be with me. Why don't we all stand on our feet this morning? Thank you, mighty God. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, I would love to pray for anyone this morning that uh, you've had similar struggles to me, just the self-doubt factor. You know that you've got a call of God. You know that you're not here by mistake. You know that, you know, there's probably something more for me. But for whatever reason, you just haven't fully committed yet. You haven't jumped in the ring. You haven't taken up the challenge. Maybe at some point in your life you did, but you've made some mistakes in life and now you feel like, oh no, I've done that. I've been there. There's, I've, I've done that. I can't go back. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we all just close our eyes this morning? I want to take a chance for the Lord to speak to you this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for those that feel a connection with what I've said to leave their seat and come forward. And we're going to pray and believe God for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. For a re-energization of a calling and a gifting that is 100% there. So if the Lord is speaking to you this morning, you know that's me. I'm that person. I want you to leave your seat right now. Come stand up the front here. And we're going to believe God with you in Jesus' name. You know you're called. You just struggle in the area of self-doubt. You have negative thoughts about yourself. If that's you this morning, I want you to be real bold. And just right now, just step forward out of your seat. Just say, yep, that's me. I'm coming forward for prayer in Jesus' name. I'm thinking there should be a bunch of people. Maybe you're doubting whether you could come forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, Holy Spirit. Let the anointing fill this place. I think it was you, yeah. Thank you, Lord God. I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. What was